My track is well-worn and clear, actually cutting a tunnel into the surrounding bush, the ground about an inch or two lower than what surrounds it, and scattered with tiny leaves that crunch slightly underfoot. These leaves come from mountain beach, ancient trees mottled in black and white and nearly covered in moss, creating a goblin forest effect as I move confidently through. Every so often I come to a kaikawaka, or cabbage tree, with wild fronds popping out the top like so many sideshow bobs. I'm following the Fakapapaiti stream, joining an area of golden rapids made of iron deposits from lava flows that leach out from bogs above. Thankfully in this section, which is popular with tourists, I have a beautiful boardwalk for my feet. Humid, moss-covered forests give way to shattered open areas from the last eruption of Ruapehu, the largest active volcano in the country. The signs have helpfully descriptive names like Slippery Gully, while others are a bit more ominous, warning trampers at a stream, do not attempt crossing after heavy rain. And as if driving home the point, the sky darkens and I hear rumbling in the distance. And just like that... I leave this gorgeous trail to walk directly into a bog. You're listening to The P-Rag, unfiltered adventures of the blissful hiker. I'm Allison Young, the blissful hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like the small backpacking essential of the same name, the P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles for their support. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky should be in your hands. Also, Belega Socks, makers of the best blister-resist non-slouching foot-massaging socks for the long haul. I'm well into month number two of my hike of the Te Araroa, New Zealand's long pathway. It'll take me about five months to complete, and I seem to be right on schedule, arriving in the fourth section of ten one day before my birthday. I'm in Manawatu, Wanganui now, and just outside of Tongariro National Park. It's three in the morning, and I'm awakened by the sound of four separate alarms— Bohan, Marco, David, and Alexis have all camped with me at the Te Porere Redoubt, humpy remains of a fort from the last of the New Zealand wars. I can see mist in the light of my headlamp, but I can also see stars above. Glory, hallelujah. The weather report calls for thunderstorms midday, and that's not good for this high and exposed crossing of volcanic alpine landscape. Not to mention that I won't be able to see steaming vents, glacial valleys, ancient lava flows, and bright green crater lakes. But right at this moment, the stars above me are giving me hope. We're absolutely silent on the six miles of road, blackness giving way to a bluish-gray splashed with orange. Near the car park, a few houses display Christmas lights, and we turn into a long driveway surrounded by a fence of orange markers, presumably discouraging illegal parking. It's empty now, as we walk right towards a high mountain belching steam. The guys pause for breakfast, 
and I head on alone, first through bush, the trail manicured and wide with plastic anti-slip strips and exits for runoff. There are even stairs. What a contrast to the awful mud pit I walked yesterday. I push up moss-covered forest, winding through mist to finally break out onto tussocky hillside, calderas spewing out a cloud of something sinister-smelling. I take pictures out through clearing skies towards more mountains surrounding Lake Rotaira before they catch me at the ruined Ketetai shelter, a hut damaged by an eruption in the year 2000. Maybe it's the rocky mountain high of ascending, but I suddenly feel joy and gratitude for my birthday eve gift of stars, warm air, and that right now, in this moment, I'm making the crossing, something I was afraid I couldn't do. I cross a spring white with minerals and gingerly hop over a tongue of lava flow as the trail continues in zigzags, and just like that, I'm enveloped in mist, deciding to look down at my feet instead, and the thick-stemmed mountain daisies, audaciously cheerful in this land of rock and debris. Well, I decide to make my peace with the day, just as I reach a ridge that levels out, and the sun burns through. It reveals massive blue lake next to the north crater in a moonscape of ancient lava flow, snow fingers tracing its wrinkles. We make our way down to a plateau before reaching four boiling sulfurous lakes in a wondrous chalky green. And I see a mountain ahead, covered in ant-sized people. The Teararoa heads south, actually taking the tramper against the tide and up the steepest section on crumbling pumice. Still nervous about getting caught out in the weather, we fly up the mountain, heads down and breathing hard as we sink into the scree, even though the hundreds of people coming down towards us seem unafraid of any deteriorating conditions. As I ascend, I see another backpacker in bright blue. It's my Dutch friend, Tom. He tells me that he hitchhiked the roads to get here a day earlier than us, so as not to miss any possible good weather. He's all smiles, mostly laughing at me, racing past some of the most incredible scenery of this long-distance walk. At the top, I stand at a crumbling cliff, and a sign tells me not to take one more step. I look directly into the Mars-like red crater, rocks tumbling down into its malevolent jaws, beautiful in a stark and unearthly way. Tom and I linger at the top as the other four press on, and I realize whatever weather's coming, it's not here yet, and I'm at the highest point of the crossing. And so I ask Tom for a do-over. We just race right back down that massive climb, far easier descending as we jump from footstep to footstep in loose pumice. At a little ridge to the right, Tom snaps my picture with the emerald lakes below before we park ourselves next to one of them for lunch and just take it all in for hours. It's hard work coming back up the saddle, but the sky clears even more and I get a perfect view of Mount Tongariro and Mount Nuarohoe, better known as Mount Doom. We play around below them on the barren south crater I show respect by not climbing either mountain, as they're sacred to the local Maori. 
We stay on this wonderland until it's nearly dark, then finally walk down the Devil's Staircase, built over dark gray ash ejected after multiple eruptions. It takes us into the regenerating Mangatepopo Valley, where we follow a rushing stream, ochre with minerals. Tom tells me he camped at the hut last night, but suggests that us together find a secluded spot off the trail to camp, one that requires rocks to hold the alley coop in place, since my pegs have no purchase in moss that just lifts up off the rock. What a day, I think, settling into our funny little spot next to a dry riverbed. Not just that the weather held or that it wasn't really as hard as I'd anticipated and worried over for days, but the luck of running into Tom as though he was placed in my path to slow me down and force me to savor this extraordinary place. Later, I had to laugh at myself as we were coming down, and a line of Japanese tourists, all dressed alike, marched right up towards the Red Crater, not one of them like me in a hurry or worried about inclement weather. Tom never said anything in particular besides laughing at me, but his gentle teasing reminded me to check in with myself and remember where I am, what I'm doing, and what it is I hope to accomplish. Being quiet gave me the space to choose a do-over and not miss out. The sky at our campsite turns black, and I see streaks of lightning over the valley below. I've eaten, the alley coop is set up, and I'm ready at any moment to dive in. But the rain that was forecast never comes. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I love sharing my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo middle-aged female hiker, and I really hope that some of my follow-through, even when I'm scared and uncertain, rubs off on you a little and empowers you to grab hold of your dreams and hike your own hike, too. You can subscribe to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts, and I would be so grateful if you left a review. It lets me know how I'm doing, and it also helps other listeners find me. My birthday starts in sunshine and absolutely no hurry with only an easy day of about 18 miles. Richard sends a message via my GPS reminding me that it's yesterday in the United States, but today in New Zealand. I often wondered where I'd end up on December 14th while walking the Tiararoa. And here I am, in one of the most spectacular places, a tent in the Tongariro National Park. <laughs> it's my birthday wish. <laughs> to be in this beautiful national park. Last night's spot was perfect, looking up the valley and watching the thunderstorms move slowly past. But I literally turn a corner on the path and glacier-covered Ruapehu reveals herself in all her grandeur, a small trail of fog circling like a boa. The snow is fresh, it's white, gleaming against the blue-gray of her folds. She's in my sights all the way as I negotiate a severely eroded trail, an accident waiting to happen. I pass dozens of tourists on the lower Taranaki Falls track before arriving at Fakapapa Village. Oh, I don't even have to look at my feet because this is not the TA. <laughs> the conditions on this trail leading to a hut are easy, 
but I cut off before it, into the wet Mangahuya track, bog, mud, and tall grass carefully negotiated, invasive heather making the going even more difficult. And it's a spectacular view of Ruapehu across a field. Behind me is the triangular cone of Mount Doom, where the sky begins to turn black. And in New Zealand style, I'm wearing all my rain gear, plus a sun hat. I was lost in my thoughts on the easy trail, and it's not until things get more difficult and the storm clouds start to build that I remember I'm alone. It comes at me like a slap. I was afraid of the crossing, afraid to be out here on my own, afraid my skills weren't up to the task. But here I am right now, and I'm figuring it out. I hear rumbling behind me, and I realize I made the crossing perfectly as the mountains I'd passed by yesterday disappear into the gloom. Up ahead is a forest. Okay, let's make it to the forest before the rain hits. I challenge myself, not exactly sloshing through this ooze any faster, but maybe with a bit more purpose and deliberation. I reach the forest, and still no rain, even as the wind picks up and the sky gets darker. I have several streams to cross, but they're manageable even if I have to use my hands to climb down the banks. So I change my goal to reflect the situation. Let's get out of this forest before the rain hits so as to avoid the rising water and possible delay. My map shows the trail hitting a straight line. Well, here I am. I guess I'm done with the stream crossings. And the trail improves. Maybe it's an old road, and I start to fly through the waving branches. Okay, revised goal. Let's get to the campground before the rain hits. If things get really bad, I can always hide in the long drop. The storm hits exactly where I was this afternoon with a vengeance. The mountains obliterated in a bluish-black funnel and a smidge of brick-red highlight. Okay, I'm at the campground, and, well, there's no need to stay here. It's only a few miles on road to the little tourist town of National Park. And if worse comes to worse and the rain hits, I can always hitchhike. A couple of Department of Conservation workers are parked next to a sign, scraping off stickers and cleaning up the graffiti. I almost walk right past before they call out, inviting me over to take a picture. It's one of the most famous signs in the world. It reads, Caution, Crossing at Night, with a silhouette of a kiwi. Well, my picture shows the sign and road and darkness swirling above. The thunder cracks as I contemplate a hitch, marching ahead towards blue sky and the town. And just as I get there and enter the tiny store, the heavens open up. I huddle under an awning, squeezed into a chair where I savor a birthday chocolate caramel thick shake. That's different from a milkshake because they use ice cream instead of just flavoring milk. I was so lucky that the weather waited until I was safely in National Park before releasing its fury. And I feel so lucky that the four men asked me to come with them, even if we didn't really walk together much. What they did was provide a framework for me to move at my pace. And of course, I was especially lucky that Tom showed up when he did, 
so I didn't get lost in my anxiety and just blow past this remarkable place. Talk about the weather and everything, but they never asked for money, so I thought, okay, it's free. We share a beer with the other four at the pub, and an Aussie living in Borneo joins us, droning on and on about all he's seen and done. The climax of my birthday is not really in this moment, but it was in the unexpected ones, the little victories, like continuing to move through that wet, boggy section when the clouds got black. I realize it's hard to pin down how special this crossing was, because it's so personal. It was beautiful and exciting and incredible, but it was more about overcoming fear, learning to stop and look, and finding out I actually have what it takes to do this turns out to be the best birthday present of all. As we head back outside, the rain stops, and the sun appears low on the horizon below heavy clouds, peeking out like an encore and lighting up everything I've done in the last two days, glowing a fanciful orange and pink, the entire Tongariro Crossing. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast and Belega Socks. And thanks so much to you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, you can subscribe and go ahead and rate it. And better yet, write a review at Apple Podcasts. That's how others find the podcast. You can also see pictures of the Alpine Crossing and read more about my hikes all over the world at my website, thepeerag.com. Next week, it's out of the mountains and down to the Wanganui River. It's a river so sacred, it's actually considered a person. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>